And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and today I am joined by the one, the only, the great, the magnificent, Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. I am fresh off a long weekend at uh, the one and only New England Sports Center. It was a uh, it was a hockey paradise at uh, at the uh, at the mega rink in Marlboro this weekend. It was Sunday. I was there from I think nine a.m. until around eight p.m. So nice. Uh, Did you go to Olive Garden afterwards? I went to the ninety nine. That's where I went. There you go. Good spot. <laughs> I know we've talked about this before. It's yeah, that is the go to spot. It is. It is. Um, but you know, doing a sports center. What a place for hockey. Just ten rinks. You got the you got the bar. You got a, you got the food. You got the place to sit. You can watch every game. So it's just it's like the mecca of uh, and people forget the Providence Bruins played there in the COVID season. It, yes. Rink one was their home rink. So it was like the good old uh, days. Remember when they thought they were gonna have neutral uh, spots for the playoffs? It was gonna be Manch Vegas. Yep that that was that was awesome. Manchester uh, New Hampshire. What could have oh. been Evan? It, it you know you think about all the locations in America aside you know obviously they, that year they had that Lake Tahoe series but think of all mm-hmm. the other places in America or even New England you could do that at you could do that uh, you know on uh, I'm trying to think of like a, a lake you could do it on you know you could do it uh, you know up in the they White Mountains yeah. what I was gonna say well Lake Winnipesaukee's a, a good one you know so uh, you do Lake Atitiwit throw a you know freeze it up and play a game on it I think you could make it work. Uh, have people watch over the overpass, you know? So I yep. think that would, I think that would be then great. Post game party at PF Chang's too. We can go to Margaritas <laughs> in Framingham. Margaritas. We gotta go. We gotta hit Margaritas. That's the big one. Yes. Um, that's where the pre and post game will be held at, uh, and we'll yes. do we'll do live podcasts uh, at both. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, speaking of Margaritas, by the really, way, I really hope not. Anyway. <laughs> And margaritas, yeah, margaritas pre and post game, I think would be uh, a little bit difficult. Um, but yeah, margaritas always, uh, always a time. We're a pro margaritas podcast, and we've always said. And by the way, we don't I'm mean not, like the drink margaritas. I mean like the the place. The establishment. Mags. Yeah, we're not here. To, yes. we're not here to smirch any any uh, good eatery spot, especially one in the beautiful town of Framingham. No, exact city. Watch your mouth. City of Framingham. A boat. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Apology accepted. Um, anyways, we got to we got to talk Bruins. Um, people are gonna start to get people are gonna start to get restless. Uh, you know, Connor, on Saturday night, I couldn't help but see on the timeline uh, lots of discourse about Hampus Lindholm. Uh, he was out there for that OT goal against, kind of missed his guy. Um, a lot of people, you know, two assists in fourteen games this year. Uh, a lot of people are saying, hey. What's going on with Hampus Lindholm? Is there a problem there? I know we touched on this a few weeks ago, but I, obviously uh, now there's a bigger sample size. Uh, are you worried about Hampus Lindholm at this moment? I wouldn't say I'm worried. I think the discourse or maybe the the most effective way to view his season so far is that I think last year he definitely overachieved, I think especially offensively. I mean, I don't, I don't think at his age of that breakthrough, I don't even want to call it a breakthrough year, but it, being a guy that's going to average over 50 points a season, I think that's a bit of an outlier. He started the year kind of getting peak, you know, power play one reps, uh, playing without McAvoy, really kind of drove play early on. That was great. Like, that was maybe the best hockey I think I've ever seen him play. I don't know if that's night in and night out, 82 games, as kind of the number two guy behind McAvoy, if that's necessarily 
what you should expect uh, from Hampus Lindholm. And that's not to say that I think he's going to be a guy that can play 82 games, going to finish with two goals and 11 assists, and that's kind of his bread and butter. Like, no, he's a guy that I think a fair season for him offensively is around 30, 30-ish points, right? Like, I think that's more fair of what – Um, especially if he's not going to get reps. But I also think it's a, a situation where um, you look at just how he's de- deployed defensively. If he's still a guy that even if the offense isn't there, but he's holding his own defensively with Brendan Carlo, uh, taking a lot of D-zone stats, uh, getting some of those really taxing minutes, and the Bruins are coming out on the other side of that with a positive goal differential, which has been the case so far, I think you'll take that, right? Like, again – you, you'd like to have a little bit of both in terms of sterling defensive numbers and 50 points, but you're asking for a Norris, you know, top five guy there. And again, like he was in top five last year. He was fantastic, but I don't know season in season out. That's what you should expect from a guy like that. If he can give you 30 points and ramp things up a little bit, um, but really still hold his own defensively. I think you'll be, you should be happy with that. Um, and I also think he has a little bit more to give offensively. Like it's not to say that he needs to be, scoring 10 goals and and putting up you know 45 50 points but getting more involved in the offense getting more shots on net being maybe a little bit more assertive jumping up into the play i think you want to see a little bit more out of that which i don't think it's like that's going to be gone from his game i think it's all about kind of coaxing that more out of his game which i think jim montgomery has kind of identified through these last couple of games you mentioned like uh, two goals, like nine assists on a season. My favorite thing is on elite prospects with junior league, with kids in juniors, like the USHL, the BCHL, uh, you know, the NA, all that stuff. Uh, it'll say the kids' stats and then say like projected. But the projections are just kind of those stats over the like yeah. the rate they're at. So it'll be like if a kid has like two assists in 17 games, it'll be like they're on pace for, you know, 14 assists in in zero goals in 82 games. Yeah. I always find that I always find that funny. That would be like Lindholm right now. Um, I think there's a lot with Lindholm that you know uh, has changed from last year. Just around him, I think obviously the the forwards he's passing to are not as lethal. Um, there aren't as many kind of lethal guys as there were last year. So those assists that you might get. Uh, and by the way, I thought he was more dynamic offensively to start last season. Uh, yeah. But he's also getting handed a lot more of defensive assignments this year. Uh, you know, you saw in Montreal, the stats afterwards, uh, he, I think, had zero offensive zone starts, zero offensive zone. Right. Like, even just yeah. jumping into the play wasn't in the offensive zone. Um, you know, with Carlo at the moment and the past couple of weeks, has been used primarily in the D zone. So his D zone number, you know, he's playing a lot of defensive hockey. Um, and also, by the way, from that Montreal game, I know advanced stats aren't everything, but I think he led the team in chances for percentage. Like, his underlying numbers were good. Now, I know, obviously, on that OT goal, you know, that wasn't great. And the you know, the surface level stats, like assists and goals, are not great. Um, I agree, he needs to be better offensively. But I think defensively, he's been pretty good. Like, I think in the in the roles that he's been given, I think, you know, he's been he's been all right. And I think, you know, again, you, you hit on it. You know, not that last year was an outlier, but... I think last year was sort of a best case scenario and that's not going to happen every year. And you don't need that to happen every year. I think you would like to, uh, but that's not going to happen every year. You know, you've got McAvoy who that's kind of the expectation for. Um, But for a guy like Lindholm, if he can be a solid number two defenseman, which again, the stats aren't reflecting that at the moment, the goals and assists and points stats are not reflecting that at the moment, but overall 
I don't think it's time to hit the panic button on him. Um, I think there are times he tries to do a little bit too much or doesn't make the simple play, which uh, that's where you sort of have to kind of clean things up. But in his own zone, I think he's been all right. And I think, you know, the offense will come at some point. Um, you know, we'll see how Lowry kind of progresses because I think, you know, Lowry is going to, you know, eat up some of those stats. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm not ready to, you know, be like, he's a bust. He's not worth the money. And it's like, no, I feel like, you know, Overall, defensively, he's been good, which is what you need. And the offense, you know, you're going to start to see the offense come at some point because he's too good and he's too good at getting shots through from the point for that not to be the case soon. Yeah, exactly. And I think he's also kind of in that the spot that I think Vernon Carlo has run into this issue too, where if you're a defenseman who's getting 20 ozone time or even below that, and you're just spending a lot of the time in your own end, uh, there's going to be a lot of tape of you either missing uh, – you know, having a lapse in coverage, what have you. And I think it's not to say that, you know, you're trying to absolve these guys. And I think Carlos has been really, really strong this year. But when you're also, most of your shifts are in that spot and you're kind of dealing those taxing minutes, you're dealing with top six uh, opponents night in and night out, opens it up for a lot more tape to be out there. Of like, ah, you missed a read here. You're like, you didn't seal off, you know, the the rebound there. Like, it, it, it can kind of snowball there in terms of if you're looking for uh, ways to find faults in guys, hone in on the guys that have those kind of reps. Like nine times out of ten, it's great. It's like if you're like an offensive lineman, like you can stop twenty, you know, twenty plays, nineteen of them can be great. But if you lit up the sack, everyone's gonna look at that. Right? Every, <laughs> Michael Hurley's gonna be tweeting out, you know, and, and, exactly. and zooming in on you, you know. So, so, so that, I mean, that is also a thing that you know it, the way he's kind of deployed this year um, opens the door, I think, for more of those. If you wanna comb through the, the tape and look at that. Um, there's more situations like that where a guy can kind of look bad, but same with like Carlo, who I think even his detractors, I don't know if you're going to have that much to really complain about Carlo. Cause I think he's already been their best defenseman out of the gate oh, so far the season. Yes. But, um, but when you're in those spots, it does just open the door for more and more of that criticism opportunity to have those lapses and have it kind of pay dearly. So, but again, yeah. Can Lindholm do a little bit more? Of course. But again, I'm not hitting the panic button yet for a guy that, again, this isn't a guy who's 22, 23. Like, he's a pretty established veteran that even if he gets back to maybe what he was before last year, that's still a damn good number two defenseman. The other thing is, like, I remember when uh, they traded for him, there was a lot of talk of, oh, he's been regressing in Anaheim for years. And I think a lot of people are sort of worried, like, oh, my God, you know, is he going back to that? Is that, you know, was last year such an outlier in that that he's still going to trend down this year? And I just think his all-around two-way game lasts in the NHL. I think with the Bruins' defensive structure, I think with the way the Bruins are, with the Bruins not being Anaheim, even though Anaheim's a pretty fun team right now, but Frank Vetrano, by the way, my God, lighting the world on fire. 50 goal scorer, yeah. Literally, like, uh, it'll be like 50 and 24 for uh, for Frankie B. Um, But, you know, again, I think with the the structure the Bruins have, with the style of play that Hampus Lindholm uh, plays and, and sort of his strengths as a player and his tools, I look at a guy like that and say, He's pretty stable. Like, I think, you know, even though, yes, the numbers might not be 14 goals and, you know, 30-something assists, I still think, you know, his all-around game that he brings is uh, is a good thing to have. So, yeah, not ready to hit the uh, panic button on Lindholm. One quick thing, uh, uh, Brennan Carlo this year, you, you mentioned it. Um, I think this is maybe the best he's ever looked. I mean, 2019 yeah. playoffs was like sicko mode Brennan Carlo. So, I, I you know, I don't want to besmirch that, but... This right now is is pretty is pretty remarkable. Just considering how good he is 
and how good he's been and how stable he's been in his own zone. And I think part of the reason he's been so good, haven't noticed him a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. like that's you start to notice him. You got to mention like offensive linemen. Like you mention you you notice a guy like Carlo in his own zone when. Uh, you know, there are missed assignments or there are missed coverages. But so far this year, I mean, Carlo's been nails. And I think they've needed that bad and they're going to need that a lot more going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a contract that I think people were maybe some of the more vocal critics were concerned about the length of it, the payout. It's looking pretty good right now for what he brings as a guy you can entrench in your top four, lead your PK, make the smart, simple plays like looking at what the DNA of this Bruins team is, which is rooted in uh, elite goaltending and a really stingy defense, having a guy like Brennan Carlo in place you can pencil in um, and playing at this level is a, a key piece of that. Oh my God, yes. Key, key piece. Uh, but quick, before we get to the rest of the conversation, quick word, Connor, quick word from our sponsor. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So, Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. Again, FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. In Mass, 21 plus and present in Mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, gamesensema.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Now, back to the show. All right, so one interesting this year uh, has been the James Van Dyke, charlie Coyle, Trent Frederick trio, because that has... Uh, it's ascended in, in recent games. Uh, Van Riemsdyk has clearly been a good value add. I think he's fourth on the Bruins as of recording on Monday with, I think it's like 11 points, which is pretty yeah. damn good for a guy you got for a million dollars out of the bargain bin at Walmart. Um, or any store. I mean, any store, you can pick any, any store for the bargain bin. Kohl's, Target. Um, so you could, you know, wherever you want, that's where you got Van Riemsdyk. Uh, what have you thought of that line? Because it feels like that's the new second line. Yeah, it's really fascinating to see because I don't think there's even like a set, like, you know, hierarchy. And I, you would imagine that any line with Marchand and, and uh, Postronk is the top line. But after that, it's kind of up for debate, right? But I, I think if you even want to just look past of what the different titles are, in terms of just the personnel and how they play together, if you're Jim Montgomery and you're looking for some cohesion, which has not really been the case so far this year in terms of finding – uh, set pair, especially just a forward trio, you got to keep Coyle, JVR, and Frederick together. I don't know what, again, we've talked about this countless times before. I don't know what it is with Coyle and Frederick. It, it just works. It, it just seems like it always, they complement each other so well. You get the most out of Coyle's game, get the most out of Frederick's game, getting him involved. And I think JVR has kind of been a perfect fit there. Um, I mean, whether it's him, you know, fighting for the puck down low, uh, shielding the puck, that 
playmaking in front of the net. He's so good at those kind of split second passes that uh, if you're Frederick and you're the F3 and he's got that really, really strong shot, you can, you know, set him up for a good look. Um, Coil, he's possessing the puck and you just have another big body and JVR down there. It's not, uh, they're not like a revolutionary line in terms of how exactly they're, they're generating offense, but they're playing smart, simple hockey. Um, it's leading to results. And if you're the Bruins, and you're still trying to find the best fit for getting this um, this five on five offense really rolling. I think you def you def definitely need uh, Coil, Frederick, and JVR together because that's probably been your one proven grouping so far. Like I would say, like Lucic, Beecher, and, and Lauko were really strong start the year, but you only saw them for a couple of games. Like those are probably the only lines that you've seen consistently them generating not just production but energy out there. You're seeing cohesion when those guys are out there. Yeah, those three to me, like, that screams a good playoff line. You know, yeah. big, possess the puck, can forecheck, uh, long ozone shifts, uh, you know, smart play. Got n all three have no problem getting to uh, interior ice in the dirty areas. So, like, to me, that's a line that you do want to have build chemistry throughout the year so that when you do get to the playoffs, that's a line that is hard to stop, that's hard to cover, that's hard to face. Uh, and those three sort of have that uh, that 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 characteristic. Coyle's a really interesting one because Charlie Coyle right now is third on the Bruins in points. Quietly five goals, seven assists, 12 points. He had a hat trick the other night uh, against the Islanders. You know, it's interesting. For a long time, we've been saying, when is he going to start to produce? When is he going to start to produce? And again, it's only been 14 games, but still, like 12 points in 14 I know, you know there's a three-goal game in there and there's some, you know, other ones like that. But, like, he is starting to produce. And you just look at the way his all-around game is, right? We've talked about this, how good he is defensively, how good he is on face-offs. Montgomery always starts overtime with him. And, you know, he can play in any situation. I think the fact that now there's this production element, right, where you can put him on the power. Or he's really been given the chance, the opportunity to be put on the power play because of Krejci's and Bergeron being gone, and he's producing. But the fact that he is producing in those spots, he's an all-situations guy, I think. And I think he's really starting to prove his worth and 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 kind of blossoming into, you know, again, it's been 14 games, he's really blossoming into this guy that can produce too. And I think that's so big for the Bruins because you've needed this out of coil for so long. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think after that Islanders game, I want to say that he was on pace for like, 80 points or something like that. Like, I don't think that's going to be the case, but what he's playing right now, and if he's going to get these more reps on the power play, he can be a guy that can give you 55, 60 points, which if I told you before the year, it's what he would do. I think people would be thrilled, right? Because also I think the most important thing and why he's really developing into a really complete player is that kind of what made him so valuable last year is still in place. Like he's still really good on faceoffs. Defensively, he's been great with, really daunting you know d zone starts not like he's the offense is a result of him getting 70 percent ozone starts or they, yeah you know, they're really trying to carve out ways for him to generate offense beyond the power play reps like he's still kind of just doing what he did last year just with more minutes and with more minutes more reps if you're playing at that level the chances are going to be there and he's capitalized so i think that's the most encouraging thing is uh you're getting you know steady production from him offensively which is the biggest question mark but not at the, the risk or the detriment of his defensive game faltering. Because, again, it's going to be a work in progress all year, I think, in terms of this team getting consistent 5-5 five and five offense. But you also don't want to sacrifice, you know, getting more scoring chances, but then giving up more down the other end of the ice. Like, the most important thing is keeping the goaltending and the defensive structure intact, even if it means a couple of 
uh, one goal games, one goal leads, you're protecting late. Like as long as you're sticking to your identity, that's the most important thing. But as they're trying to sort these things out, having a guy like Coyle on pace for a 65, 70 point season is huge for this team right now. Huge. And it goes back to a thing we said in the off season. You said this a bunch and uh, it's that the Bruins are the money ball Bruins right now on offense. You know, if you can, you know, replace Krejci and Bergeron's production with Coyle and Zaka, you know, one person getting 45 to 55 points and the other getting, you know, 55 to 65, you're you're in business. That's not a bad and, – and, and like I said this a bunch in the offseason, it's not crazy to think, you know, either one of Zaka or Coyle could do either one of those things. And it feels like both are sort of, at least as of right now, on pace for that. Um, and they're 11-1-2. They're okay. You know, again, Montreal's performance the other night wasn't great. Uh, you know, the two off- you know the two overtime losses against uh, Montreal and Anaheim have not been good. Um, and obviously there was a loss to Detroit. But, like, for the most part, those guys have held their own. And I think that that's very, very encouraging. Um, and, you know, go like, JVR. Moneyball sign. That is a, that is, uh, I'm trying to think of a guy from that Moneyball team that was like a good, uh, like a Chad Bradford. That's, uh, that's, yes. uh, that, Scott that movie. Lo- yeah, Scott Hatterberg. That's the perfect one. That movie, if you watched that movie and didn't know anything about that team, you would think that that team was just like Chad Bradford, Scott Hatterberg, um, uh, who else did they play? David Justice. That? David Justice. <laughs> Captain, old Man yeah. Justice, you know? They forgot about, uh, you know, Tim Hudson, Barry Zito. Uh, trying to think of Tejada on that team. Did he win MVP that year, I think? Like, that uh, team Tejada was, that team, was on that team. That team was nasty. So, like, again, it's a, it, you got you to drum up the drama a little bit. We understand, but... Yeah, if it was Bruins great. Do the, if the Bruins do their own money ball, it's going to be like, they're not going to, if the Bruins like was to win a cup and this becomes a money ball team, like they won't even mention like pasta or like, no. uh, or swimming in Olmark. No. Like, Jim Reeves like scored 80 goals that year. They're going to show, uh, they're going to show like a, uh, they're going to show like a scene of Sweeney uh, walking into James Van Riemsdyk's house during the summer. And Van Riemsdyk's just kind of like head in his hands. Just like, no, no one's calling me. No yeah. one's calling me. And like Sweeney texts him like, I'm at the front door. And Doc yes. is like, oh, I'm here, you know. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. That's exactly what it's going to be. No mention of any of those guys. Yeah, no mention of, of Pasternak. Nothing like that. It's going to be – and it's going to be Lori will be like the the guy who plays. He wins, wins the Norris. Yes. Right, it'll be something like that. So, um, we already wrote the script. So, it's already set. We did. We got to throw Patra in there. Pa- Patra's got to yeah. be somewhere in there, too. You know, he's yeah. like 110 you know, point got, season. Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, Patra coming in, potentially winning MVP. Uh, you, you know, I'm trying to think of a good scene of him. I guess you could, you know, like uh, comparable to Moneyball. You could have Patra being like, you know, uh, like I'm gonna make this team. I'm gonna do it. And yes. Monty's like, No, you're not. <laughs> we have our centers. And Patra, yes. you know, the 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 underdog story comes in and and all that. So we, I mean, we're basically. If I a, work if on the movie, I work on the spec uh, the spec script. So I'll yeah, have it done by I next can, week. So yeah, I can help with some of the dialogue. Um, okay, and, good. And, and, and story arc and progression and all those things. I, I, that could take me a little longer than just next week. Next, next week's Thanksgiving. So, um, but I think you know if a movie uh, company wants to come along and produce that, I mean, I think we're your guys on that. Um, so if they win, if they win the cup. That's all that matters. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We'll end on a, a negative note, um, as we have to. Uh, I guess the next person we could talk about is um, who was the in money. We're just making this like the Moneyball themed episode. Uh, who was the guy in Moneyball? Uh, well, I don't want to compare this Bruins player to this Moneyball player, but uh, Jeremy Giambi. Um, yes. was traded uh, like you know midseason because they yes. didn't like his antics. Uh, I'm not comparing. I, I I will stop the comparison. You're not going to say anyone getting traded. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jake DeBrusque. They, they're going to have the like, Dan Heinen because it was PTO <laughs> instead of him like just being at the practice thing. It's going to be him like he has to like work at Market Basket until like they give him a contract. <laughs> like he's just like they've assigned him that job. That's like what Moneyball would be. You, you got to earn your keep. You got to work yeah, at, the, exactly. at the stop and shop down the street from Warrior. In, uh, in Everett, yeah. Yeah. Stop shop, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but anyways, uh, Jake DeBrusque, uh, some, uh, you know, not the best start to the season. Uh, one goal, four assists in 13 games. I think this is the exact opposite of what we thought. We thought, you know, DeBrusque contract year, going to come out just gangbusters. And it really has been the opposite. Um, you know, him and Patra and Hyen have been together for the past couple games. There's not been crazy returns. Um, we have not heard anything new on the DeBrus contract front where yeah. they're at with that. Um, he's made it known he wants to be here long term. But again, this is sort of that inconsistent play popping up. Do you really want to sign on long term to getting you know wishy-washy play like this um what have you thought so far of the debrusque experiment to start the year yeah i mean i think it's been tough in terms of getting some consistent reps because i think it, it's one of the things where and you can make the argument that this could be a guy that the way he plays he should be able to kind of chip in offensively whatever line he's on if he's just playing his north south uh straight game uh going to the front of the net generating chances that way hasn't worked so far yet um it's been disappointing in terms of just the tangible production because I think you definitely need a guy like him to get going. It's not to say that you needed a 40-goal season. Believe me, you would take it, but I don't think it would be fair to like ask for that kind of production. If he was just DeBrusque of last year, um, it would help you out tremendously in terms of just getting tangible 5-on-5 five -five scoring. So uh, it's been disappointing out of the gate. Um, I think you've seen the last couple of games uh, more encouraging signs. Like He had that – set up to that uh the you know his first goal he had a few good setups around the net like i think he's moving his feet more and he's impacting the game and i think he kind of mentioned it on monday at warrior that the fact that i think he's rounded out his overall game means he's contributing a bit more even when he's not scoring again yes his bread and butter is still scoring and he needs to do that but if he's contributing on the pk if he's doing these other things it's almost like we talked was it last week about like tyler bertuzzi if he was like struggling to score he's not doing some of the other stuff they can still kind of validate to keep him in the lineup like DeBrus can have some uh these stretches here but he's still averaging 16 17 minutes a night because he can still play on the pk do these other things to contribute to the overall team Bertuzzi, if he's not scoring and he's taking bad penalties or he's uh giving up chances down the other end of the ice he's either on the fourth line or he's playing 11 minutes a night right like you're not seeing that's that, exactly it so I, I think that's the encouraging thing for the bruins in terms of um 
uh, of the fact that at least DeBrusque is becoming a more complete player. So it's not like you have to really cut his minutes or something like that. But again, you can only put out these qualifiers or, or kind of look at the, the brighter side of things without being like, you still need this guy to produce. You still need this guy to cash in on some of these chances, which you hope are going to come soon. Because we all know he scores one. Generally, that starts kind of that deluge of scoring, which you desperately need from him right now. Yeah, it goes back to like I, I remember we talked in the or we talked recently after that Maple Leafs game. Like, who would you rather have, DeBrusque or Bertuzzi? It goes back to that. Like, you still with DeBrusque get the all around game. You get you know uh, production in other ways other than scoring. But those goals need to come, and the yeah. points need to come, and that like to get a five or six million a year deal, you're gonna need some consistent production, and I think that's where this should give you a little pause. And I wonder if this stretch gives the Bruins a little pause as to you know now maybe they go to the negotiating table and say, hey, we'll do you know four million or four and a half, but we're not gonna go further than that. And if the DeBrus camp says we are not taking anything under five, then you've got to make a decision there. Because uh, he would get you something. The other problem is if he continues to not really produce and be inconsistent, is he going to get you all that he could at the deadline? That's the other yeah. problem. So um, him not producing is the kind of double-edged sword there. Or it's really just bad in general. It's not a double-edged sword. It's just terrible. Um, yeah. It hurts everybody involved. Um, but again, I, I think that that inconsistency, I wonder how much that gives the Bruins pause. Um, but again, we'll see in the coming weeks. It'll be a storyline to follow that's for sure. Speaking of things to follow, Connor, what can people look forward to from you over at Boston.com and the Boston Globe? Yeah, we'll have you covered throughout this season, whether it's game recaps, columns, features, uh, breakdowns, you name it. We'll have everything over at Boston.com, so please read my stuff over there as long as uh, as well as Patriots, Celtics, everything else from the rest of our great staff over there. Even if you uh, Patriots are not doing well, but there's plenty to talk about with that team uh, throughout this season, so it's not great. But uh, we haven't covered every step of the way over there. So please read our stuff over at Boston.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. I thought you were going to say, uh, please follow my stuff or please read everybody else as long as you read mine. But then you, you're cor- corrected to, to say that there's a yes. lot of other great stuff. Uh, yeah, Patriots right now. God. Sound great. Oof. Sound great. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a waste of time that team is. I got to tell you. You gotta keep losing. You can't keep winning. Like, no, yeah. not keep winning. You can't win. Like, yes. Giants why, like, in two weeks, the, lose. That, is, that lose. might be the most important game of the year is against, like, the Giants' third string quarterback. Please. I mean, put Will Greer out there. Put me. Put you. Put whoever. Yes. Malik Please Cunningham. Don't, I don't want to get hurt, but. Yeah, well, okay. All right. That's fair. We, we, we need our hands Trent, to type. Trent Brown in as quarterback. Yes. Need that's it. Sick. He'll see. He can see over the line. That's for sure. It's true. That's true. Um, So, anyways, that's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners, have a great rest of your week. Teenage Wasteland!